0: I'm going to preach a little bit more briefly than I normally do. The center of our services today are the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's table and responding to them rightly. And so we're going to get to those. And my task is to help you understand what is going on as we baptize, what is going on as we come down to the Lord's table together. All right. If you know anything about Seven Mile Road, we've got our own little vocabulary going you know how every family and every community just finds some words that just roll? So if you hung out with our pastor team and somebody said the word lettuce, you would know right away they were talking about money. Joey introduced us to that one from his days in East Lynn. If you came over to my house and you heard, 21, 21, you would know it was time to run upstairs and play a game of 21 in the boys' room on the little hoop. Or if I just call out, books, books, Callie, books, Callie knows to run up to my bed and plop down in the middle of that thing because we're going to read together. Every community family develops language. It's a beautiful reality. It's not to keep outsiders out. It's to celebrate the things that we have come to experience together. One of the words that you'll hear us say around here is the word buckets. If you ask somebody how it's going, they may just say to you, oh, man, buckets of grace. Here's what we mean by that we have come to see that our Father is so gracious and so kind and so good and so giving that sometimes it feels to us as if he is just in the heavens where he is enthroned, pouring out bucket after bucket after bucket of grace to the point where we feel our arms just, I can't catch all this beautiful stuff that you have done and are doing in me, in my soul, in my home, in the life of our church. Buckets. We'll say it like that with this big, silly, childlike grin. What I want to do today is walk you through some of these graces that God has given to us to make sure that they're sealed deeply in your soul and you are taking hold of them rightly. We're going to use this screen up here just to walk us through it because I didn't have more room for a computer or everything. So the first thing, the thing that redemptive history is centered on, actually the entire universe and all of creation is centered on, and I hope that the life of this church is centered on, and the life of your soul is centered on, is the gospel. In the beginning, God, before there was anything, anything, I know we can't get our minds around it. Julia and I had a five-minute conversation because she couldn't understand what was before the darkness. Wait a minute, in the beginning was darkness. No, before there was darkness, before there was anything that we can wrap our minds around, there was God, infinitely glorious, infinitely holy, infinitely beautiful, infinitely wise, and infinitely loving and glad because this God existed from before there was anything, always, as Father and Son and Spirit in this Trinitarian reality of gladness and love, each for the other, selfless, perfect, beautiful. Out of the outflow of that godness of God, he creates the heavens, the galaxies, the stars, the earth, the ground, the water, vegetation, animal life. And then at the height of his creation, The Father, the Son, and the Spirit create men and women in God's image, bearing his likeness, to know him, to enjoy him, to be loved by him, to be known by him, and to bear his image across his creation, to be his stewards, his co-laborers in showing off his glory. Multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. We were intended to walk like this with the living God, completely satisfied in him, loving him, obeying him, glad in him. This is God's intentions in creation. And then a horrible, horrible thing happens as man, Adam, our father, doing what you or I would have done sadly, sins against A holy God. Breaks his command. Rebels against him. Refuses his love. Grasps for godness himself. I will do it my way. And when sin enters the picture, there is this fracturing of what God had intended. Because God is holy. Sin and sinners just can't, can't be. Same place, same time, same way with him. He is too holy. And so, the earth is cursed, and we begin to struggle apart from God. And just when you think that would be it, and you and I, all of us would inherit nothing but the just wrath of God for our rebellion, the story continues. And God begins to make gospel promises. He is not only a creator, he is a redeemer. And he promises Eve that her son, the seed of the woman, would make all things new, would crush the head of the dragon who led them into sin and bring men and women back to God. Throughout the older covenant, we see the story progressing as God covenants with his people and makes promises to his people through Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and his sons, through Moses and the nation of Israel, through King David and the prophets. God is getting us ready for the salvation That he promised. And then at the height of this story. God does what we could never have imagined he would do. He comes himself to save us. And God the son eternally Jesus steps in. In obedience to the father and takes on flesh. And he walks in this cursed world. Enduring all that you and I endure because of our sin. Only he lives the life that Adam and you and I were supposed to live. Perfectly obedient to the Father. Perfectly loving to the Father. Holy and righteous. And then Christ makes a way for us to join him in his life. He wasn't just a teacher who said some good things and modeled a good way. Jesus is intimately bound together with His cross. This is why we started our day today saying from 1 Corinthians, this is what I give you of first importance, and what's the first thing that he said? Christ died for our sins. Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, lives the life we should have lived, and then marvelously, he dies the death that we should have died like a sacrificial lamb in our place. He bleeds and bleeds and bleeds, and in his blood, our redemption is purchased. He's buried in a tomb, dead like we should have been, and then on the third day, by the Spirit, the Father vindicates the Son, raises Christ from the dead, never to taste death again. He gives him all authority in heaven and on earth, and now, He makes available to the nations, sinners like you and me, the good news of the gospel. God has made a way for you to enjoy him forever, to be washed of your sin, to be made right with him, to be fully satisfied in who he is here and there without end. This is the gospel, and man, it is like God taking a bucket of amazing grace and pouring it out. But then he gets out another bucket because just the gospel would not be enough. If everything I just said to you was true, but it was true somewhere over there and not true for you in your soul and your life, that's not very good news. And the problem for sinners is that even though God objectively worked the gospel, until he works on our hearts and ears and eyes, we can't access that good news. If I was to draw for you an amazing picture, beautiful colors, astonishing. If you were blind, this picture would mean nothing to you. You could not enjoy it because you can't see. If Laura was to get, get up here with her viola and just go off on that thing like she does and play something really classically beautiful, if there was someone who is deaf sitting here, that glorious work of hers is meaningless if they can't hear it. We could throw the greatest party with music and balloons and streamers and pizza pizza, and the guy who is in a grave over at Wyoming Cemetery does not benefit from what's happening over here because he's dead. The way that God describes our state before his saving grace is blind and deaf and dead. And as beautiful as the gospel is, we can't see it, we can't hear it, we can't respond to it and so God pours out grace and his spirit gets to work on our souls and our hearts come alive and affections that we did not have for Jesus begin to get stirred as we hear about his gospel and God comes and works a miracle in our ears and a tall red-faced guy talking becomes salvation to us as these words are finally heard. And the glory of God in the face of Christ that seemed ridiculous to us suddenly becomes the most astonishingly beautiful sight that we have ever seen. The gospel is not only objectively true, but in his saving grace, God by his spirit shows up and he makes it subjectively true for you. And you take hold of that. If all of that wasn't enough buckets of grace, because it would have been, God keeps going and he doesn't save you on your own in an island somewhere to figure this thing out by yourself, but he deposits his good news and his gospel within the bounds of his church. He calls you into a people, a family, where you will belong, where you will be given pastors and shepherds who care for your souls and preach the gospel to you to the day that you die. Friends, brothers and sisters who will love you who will hear your confession of sin and forgive you, who will be there for you, who will walk with you in this life. In his grace, he gives us his church where we can take hold of this gospel together. And he doesn't stop there. But in his abundant bucket grace, God keeps pouring out mercies and he gives to his church the sacraments. I'm going to read one thing from an old dead guy. I want you to hear this because it's beautiful. After writing a bunch about the gospel, listen to what he says. It has been shown that by the faith of the gospel, Christ becomes ours, and we are made partakers of the salvation and eternal blessedness procured by him. That's old school English for everything Matt just said. But as our ignorance and sloth, and I may add vanity of mind, stand in need of external helps. In other words, God knows how frail we are and what a mess we are and how much help we need to really believe the gospel, by which faith may be begotten in us and may increase and make progress in us. God, in accommodation to our Weakness has added many helps. In particular, he has instituted the sacraments, which we feel by experience to be most useful helps in fostering and confirming our faith for seeing that we are shut up in the prison of the body and if not yet attained to eternal life, God, in accommodation to our capacity, has in His grace provided a method by which, though widely separated, we might draw near to Him. In other words, God knows we need help to continue to take hold of the gospel, and He has given us that help in the sacraments. The two things that we'll do together today baptizing those who have come to repentance of sin and a confession of faith in Jesus. And then for those who have been baptized, coming down and feasting on the body and the blood of Christ. These were given to us by the Father through the Son. That's why we call them institutions, right? After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and said, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's an institution, a gift of Jesus. When he was eating his last supper with his apostles who would lead his church, he said to them, take this bread, this is my body, eat it, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, he poured out the wine, said this is the, my, the blood of the covenant, do this, eat this meal in remembrance of me. In his grace, God has given or instituted the sacraments. right, the word sacrament is like an odd word for us. Sacrament comes from Latin, sacramentum, which comes from Greek, mysterion. Do you hear it in there? Mysterion, mystery. In other words, when the translators of the scriptures gave us this word in Latin, sacramentum, they were trying to get at the idea that there is something different happening here with regular water, and regular bread, and regular wine. That in some way, God in his grace has condescended to us to take what is just stuff that we drink, take a bath with, and swim in, and infuse it with some heavenly gospel reality, a beautiful mystery. That Jesus in some way just took bread and cup, a meal. We do this three times a day, every day but he has infused these simple elements that are accessible to the world with heavenly gospel realities. These sacraments carry the weight of the love and the intention and the grace of God. They are a great and glorious mystery to us, how God meets us here. It's a simple definition of the sacraments. We would say that they are a sign of, an external sign in which the Lord seals on our consciences his promises to us in order to sustain the weakness of our faith, and he does it in a way that gives us the opportunity to gladly testify publicly to our faith. All right, let's run through these before we actually participate in them together. Talk about the word sign. A sign is not a reality. A sign points to a reality. In the same way, salvation has come because of God's grace to us. That's the reality. The sacraments just point to what God has done. After 11 years, we finally got a sign for Seven Mile Road. You know that we've been hidden in the Emerson School over there planting Jesus and loving just north of Boston, and we'd put a sign out for a few minutes, and then we'd have to take it back. My mom was so glad when we put these stakes in the ground out here and put a formal sign down that said Seven Mile Road. She was so mad that we couldn't fit the word church on there. But she was glad that there was a sign. Now, is that sign Seven Mile Road? No, that's just a piece of polyurethane that costs too much money that has ink sprayed onto it. That's all that is. But that sign is very helpful because it is pointing to the reality of what happens in the life of these churches. It is announcing to the drivers by, there's a reality. Come, taste, see, know what is happening there. This is what the sacraments are for us. They are not the reality. But in his grace, God has given us some tangible, physical signs that we participate in, that we can see. And because we're weak, we need this. We go, yes, there it is. That water washing is like the forgiveness of sins. This down and up is like the death and resurrection that has happened. This table feeding and nourishing me is like the body and the blood of Christ that has given me life. These sacraments are signs, pointers. We also call them seals. Again, a seal is not the reality itself. A seal is the affirmation or the ratification that the reality is. Okay, Some of you folks are in college. Some of you have rolled through high school, rolled through college, rolled through graduate school. When you do that, man, you work hard. Late nights Early mornings, lots of books, Wikipedia becomes your best friend, you're writing papers on your own, you're going to class, you're studying, you're becoming competent in the field that has been given to you, and at the end of all of that work comes what? Graduation day when they are ready to give you a diploma that says, you did it, you are a graduate, you own that degree, when you are given that diploma... It's got some words written on there. Those words are signs pointing to what has happened with you. Suffolk University, Bachelor of Science, you earned it. But then there's this other thing on those forms, the seal. You know how that works? The college comes out with all the authority of the board of trustees, and they seal that diploma with the eagle or the name of that school when you see that diploma and you see it sealed like that, what's happening right there? That is their way of saying no one can take away from you the reality that you are a graduate of our school. This happened. We ratify that you are. This is what God has done for us in the sacraments. In his grace, he has given us some simple tangible, physical acts and signs that seal on our consciences, yes, this is done. More Seven Mile Road language. This is why you'll hear us use the words as surely when we talk about the sacraments. Here's what we mean. As surely as Sarah and Cody and Brandon and Jose will get in this water and the water will wash on their skin as surely as we know that that happened because we physically saw it with our eyes, you can touch Sarah's skin and it will be wet. As surely as that happened, that's how surely we know that God has rescued them from their sins and given them his grace and given them eternal life in the name of his son. It's done. It's ratified, sealed. Every Sunday, when we come down to the Lord's table, And in essence, the heavens are opened, and Jesus, through the authority of your pastors, feeds you. You know what's going on here? As surely as you chew on bread and feel it in your teeth and swallow it, that's how surely you know that Christ bled and died for your salvation. As surely as your tongue can taste this grape juice and it flows down your throat, and you know, I just drank something. That's how surely you can know that the promises of the gospel are yours. Do you feel this grace of God to you? Not only does he pour out his gospel, not only does he jump into your soul and bring it alive and give you saving grace, not only does he give you a church to care for you, and to set you to mission for his glory. But he gives you sacraments, water, bread, and cup to affirm in you the work that he has done. Can you see why we're just like, oh man, how kind is God? All right, I could go to midnight telling you about the other graces of God, but I want to stop there and now just call us to be responding to this grace together. We do that first by believing the gospel. It is your responsibility to repent of your sin and to take hold by faith of the work that God has done for you at the cost of his son. This is not take it or leave it. This is your life at stake. There is no hope for you outside of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ our first response is to believe the gospel. Secondly, to love the church. It breaks my heart how lackadaisical we are in our day about Jesus' church. If he has given us each other for the good of our souls and for the good of others to be welcomed in, can you see why we're just so pumped about 32 people standing up here saying, I'm all in with the people of God? why we get delirious when Joey tweets that 29 people showed up to start pressing into gospel community for a planting of a church in Wakefield, loving the church and her pastors, that is beautiful response to the grace of God. And of course, to take hold of these sacraments with joy, to be baptized into Christ, and then every week of your lives to come to his table and to be sealed again and affirmed again, and ratified again, and reminded again, this gospel is yours. We are responsible to respond to these gifts of God's grace with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, to love him that deeply. And that's what we're doing together today. All right, let's talk baptism for a minute. Um, We've got a baptismal that is right up here. Our pastors have spent a bunch of time talking and praying about this. This morning, we are not only going to baptize some folks who have come to faith with us in the life of this church and have sat with our pastors and made their confession of faith, and they're going to look in a video camera later on and tell their story of God's grace to them, and we're going to sign them, and we're going to seal them, and we're doing this in public, right? I wish there weren't roofs on this building because the gospel talks about the roofs being torn off of these things, and we are in heavenly realities and places when we gather in here. You can't go get baptized in the corner of your basement. You do that for the world to see the grace that has been given to you and your response to say yes. But we've also talked about making that offer out loud right now to any of you who have not repented of your sin and believed the gospel and been marked with the sign of baptism and stepped into the community of the blood saints of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the day of salvation as being today. Now, if God in his grace gives you a beating heart and ears to hear the gospel, you are supposed to run into that grace of God. Take hold of it. Turn from your wicked, sinful, rebellious ways. Be sorrowful for your sin and put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ for you. If you are here and you have not repented of your sin and believed the gospel and stepped into this grace of God, today is the day for you to do that, to take hold of eternal life. God uses heralders to make that announcement to you. That goes for you if your life is all together and you're really highly functional and you got a great paycheck and a nice family. That goes for you if you are contemplating suicide this morning and your life is a total trash wreck. All of us have announced by Jesus, you must be born again. God was not playing when he sent his son to the cross to die for sins. He was not playing when he sent his spirit to pour out saving grace on the nations. He was not playing when he said, I will have a church and it will be those who live in worship of my son forever. And he wasn't playing when he said, I give you the grace of baptism to show off your faith so that you know that you are ours. Okay, so if that is you and you have never repented of your sins and believed the gospel and been baptized, we want to see you do that today. We're going to have Dan and Matt and Joey and myself up here for the next few minutes. If that is you and you're saying, I have not been baptized, I need Christ, I need my sins forgiven, this gospel is for me and I'm taking hold of it, we want you to come down and talk with us. We'll ask you a few questions and affirm your profession of faith and your understanding of the things that I've been saying. I hope that I've been clear that you know what you are stepping into. And we will get you back here, and you might have to put on some extra large shorts of mine, but they're back there. There's plenty of clothes and towels. And it would be a delight of ours to baptize you too this morning, to welcome you into the kingdom of God, to see you responding rightly to the goodness of our God who pours out his buckets of grace. When we're done with the baptisms, we'll still be singing. A lot of singing today. And then those of us who have been baptized into Christ will be invited to come to the table and we will be affirmed in our faith again as surely as we share this meal. That's how surely we know God is good and has given us life in his name. All right, so I'm gonna pray. But before that, let me just give directions one more time so there's just some good order. So Cody and Sarah and Brandon and whoever else is locked in for being baptized, you guys can, can come in the back and women's room on the left, men's room on the right, and get changed. Our band is going to be coming up and singing through a song as that's happening. At the same time, if you are ready to, to forsake your life of rebellion and sin and to take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be baptized into his people, today's the day for you to do that. Come down and talk with the pastor while we're singing and then we will come out and we will baptize these folks one by one and sing and celebrate the grace of God and just try to catch all of his mercies together. Okay, will you just stay real still and pray with me for one minute? Father, you are present in this place because you want to show off your glory, and you do that by getting involved with ridiculous, petty, broken idolatrous sinners like us. If you could save us and make something of us, you must be infinitely glorious. And so that's what you've done. Our arms cannot hold all the mercies of God, but I pray that in some small way we would be responding rightly to you today and taking hold of your grace the way that you call us to in repentance and in faith. Father, I pray that you would build your church through the preaching of the word and the administering of the sacraments for your glory just north of Boston through us. We are in whatever it takes to see the Spirit of God show up in power. We long for that to happen. And I pray that today, the name of Jesus, that simple Latin name, Jesus, would be so embraced and shown off to be of infinite and surpassing worth to us. I rejoice in your kindness. It is undeserved, but we receive it with joyful hearts. Jesus, come and build your church and save sinners and affirm us in our faith this morning. That is my prayer that you would answer. Amen. Amen.